are listening to the Grace of Bel Air Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. For additional information, you can visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. And now, we invite you to enjoy this week's sermon. God is so good. Uh, I look forward to sharing this word with you today from Psalm 84. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, the Lord richly blesses those who love His house, His presence, and His people. The background for this psalm is a psalm that uh, was sung and was written as the pilgrims would go up to Jerusalem three times a year to offer praises and sacrifice and worship to the Lord in the temple. In that day, Israel was surrounded by armies. In fact, the highway of kings or the king's highway went directly through the nation and the land of Israel. It connected Egypt with Babylon, or what we know as Baghdad, the Fertile Crescent from Egypt all the way through Israel, all the way up near Turkey, then all the way back down. It was 800 to 1,000 miles long. And as the pilgrims would go up to worship the Lord, they were keenly aware that Israel had a target on its back. They were surrounded by the nations who wanted to have Israel succumb to them so that those kings and and powers could control that vital highway that connected those two centers of civilization. And so this psalm was written as the pilgrims experienced going up to Jerusalem and what they were anticipating And it was written to the Almighty God. The Hebrew word there is Lord of hosts, Almighty God, even warrior God. Because they were keenly aware that God alone was in control, but he had to fight their battles, the Lord of hosts, if they were to survive as a people and as an individual. Just a few weeks ago, we went on vacation, and uh, this is vacation time. I've mentioned that. And if, uh, how many have been on vacation this year or you're planning to go on vacation? Just lift your hand if you would or comment, say, yay, vacation, yay, vacation. And if you're like us, uh, we go on a family vacation, then we have one with friends. But we get off the list and we want to make sure we don't forget anything. And sometimes it feels like we're taking the whole house and the garage and what's in the refrigerator and everything else just to make sure we don't forget anything during that time. But, and one of my favorite pictures that I have is uh, reminiscent of the Outer Banks when we went there on family vacation and with friends for 19 years in a row. And it's a picture of a beach house on the Outer Banks 
and an older car like from the late 1940s and there's people waving on the beach house as this car pulls up as like a, a, panel, uh, a, a panel truck, if you would, or the old style station wagons. And the doors open and a dog is jumping out and someone's throwing a beach ball and the sand is there and they're welcoming this family to come on in for the family vacation. Anticipation. I read a few years ago uh, about a family that uh, for years and years and years, they went on family vacation to, I believe it was Bethany Beach, and they planned and they anticipated it, and they got there, they went to the beach house, and no one was coming, and then a car pulled up, but it was the wrong, they said, who are you? They didn't, and the people said, who are you? We're here to vacation. And they said, no, we're here, it's our week, it's our family vacation. And the other people said, afraid not. We got the papers from the real estate agent. This is our week. They had missed their vacation. They're a week early for vacation. That happens sometimes. I want to share God's Word today. I just believe it's so essential that the Word of the Lord and the Spirit of God build us up, strengthen us, refreshes our soul, and that we have confidence, our confidence renewed in the Lord. In a sense, individually, as followers of Jesus Christ and the church, we live in a day where we're surrounded by evil forces that want to marginalize the truth of God's Word, the power of the cross, and the power of the saving power of Jesus Christ. And we can cave into that, we can pay attention to that, but it erodes our soul. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus said this, that in the last days that God would send, it would be perilous times when men's heart would fail them for fear, that God would send a strong delusion so if possible even the elect would be deceived and that the love of many would wax cold in the last days. How many, I believe we're living in the last days. I really do. The good news is that we're getting closer to home. Can someone say amen? Hope closer to home. But as a past, as your pastor today, I want you to know we, we need to be aware of the situation, but our hope is built on Jesus Christ, on his righteousness, on nothing less than that, and the strong blood and the power of the name of Jesus Christ. And that you and I are not victims, but we are victors through him who loved us. Praise his name. So the psalmist wrote this. This is written by the sons of Korah. Korah was the one who led a revolt against Moses. You remember that in the wilderness? The ground opened up. He swallowed uh, Korah and several other leaders were swallowed up, but God's Word says this, that the sons of Korah were spared because they did not follow in their father's footsteps. And so there's three blessings today that they write about for these pilgrims and for you and for me. The first is, how blessed are those who dwell in the house of God? The second is, how blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord? And the third is, how blessed are those whose trust 
is in you, praise God. And we live in a day when there are culture wars, there are, there are there's a cancel culture or the cancer culture, we could call it the cancel or the cancer culture. That's on one side, but on the other side, there's a spirit that can afflict even the church that goes, well, whatever, what will be, will be. Either both of those are ditches, but the Lord has a path for you and for me. It's the whosoever. Can someone say praise God? Whosoever may come, this is the way, walk in it. And so the psalmist wrote these. And he said, how lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts, O, o, or, o Lord of armies. My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, they sing for joy to the living God. The bird also has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. How blessed are those who dwell in your house they are ever praising you, Selah. Praise God. So what is your home address today? If you're online, you, if you want to just put your home address, just your, your, just your street, we can put uh, Plumtree, Bel Air, Maryland. That's where our home air address is. Home, in a real sense, though, is where our heart is. But more importantly than that is, where is your spiritual address what do you long for? What are you yearning for? There's something special, the psalmist wrote, about the dwelling place of God. There's something special when we gather together in His name, the physical gathering of His church. The physical gathering when His people come together and the gathering where God's Word says that He inhabits the praises of His people. David wrote, I was glad when they said to me, let us go, let us go to the house of the Lord. The psalmist wrote in 84, Psalm 84, he said, it causes my heart to sing and even my flesh to sing for joy. As I was prepping this morning and then this morning, or this week rather, and then this morning I was in prayer, and even in the first service, I just had this strong impression from the Lord that God wanted me to talk with the men first of all, first of all to address you. There's something about the men, the men who say, Lord, I'm glad when they say to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I want to not only exhort you and encourage you, but the word of the Lord says this, that we should rise up as leaders in our home. We should rise up and lead the charge in going to the house of the Lord. I've had the privilege of serving grace for what a few years. But the privilege is in leading the charge. The privilege is 
leading the charge and being first in line and saying, follow me as I follow Christ, like the Apostle Paul said. Oh Lord, is this really, oh God, you want grace to do this and I get to lead the charge in that. And when we as individuals, and I'll first of all speak to the guys, I'll speak to those that are husbands, when we take it upon ourselves to lead the charge to the house of the Lord, you set your family, you set those that you influence up to follow in your footsteps. When David said, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. I believe the Lord wants us to know that no matter how big you get, no matter how successful you get, no matter how powerful, how wealthy you get, no matter how independent we might become, we're never too big or too good for our own family. How many understand that? And no matter who we are, we're never too big, we're never too smart, we're never too sharp for other people in the church that we don't need the church or we need our heart to say, yes, yes, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I want to issue a heart check this morning. On Sunday mornings or Saturday night, if you're looking for excuses, not to be found in the presence of God, with the people of God, something is wrong with your heart. Can someone say, ouch, oh me, or amen? Guys, it's incumbent upon us that we Lead the charge. I, uh, on my gravestone, I've often said this, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not thinking in terms of dying. <laughs> but I, I want a simple verse found in Romans. Instead of a palace, all we ever know about a palace, Paul wrote, a palace approved in Christ. That's all that's there. That's all I want. Approved in Christ. I want to lead the charge. I want my daughters, I wanted my children to be able to say that dad led the charge when it came to the things of God. It made it so much easier that I had a wife with me whose heart was strong for the Lord, who yearned for the courts of the Lord. It makes all the difference in the world. It's inclusive, whosoever. The psalmist said, even the bird finds a nest of peace and joy and comfort and protection uh, at the altars of the Lord. It's where we meet God. This is the Lord of heaven, the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts. But this is where we find him. He's also full of compassion and mercy and grace and forgiveness. We're, I've said we're never too big to not come home or come to the house of God but ne neither are we ever too bad that we can't come. Neither are we ever too weak. Neither are we 
never to the place where you say, well, I'm not good enough to go. Everyone's better than me. No, that's not so. God has his arm stretched open wide for you and for me. Romans 5.8 says this. In fact, uh, verses 6 through 10, but 5.8 says, when, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Paul wrote these words. He said, but you were helpless, you were weak, you were enemies of God, but God demonstrated his love towards you and towards me and that Jesus Christ died for us. Praise his name. How blessed. It means secure, happy, confident home. I am blessed. I am strong. I have a home. Would you say that with me? I am blessed. I am strong. I have a home. Praise God. The second thing is blessed are those whose strength is in you. Blessed is the person whose strength is in you and whose heart are the roads or the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of Bacah, another, another uh, translation of that means the valley of tears. They make it a spring. They make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, save. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the Lord our God. Jesus talked about the great value of the kingdom of God. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man found in a field. In those days, um, they would go digging for treasure because often they would bury their treasure. People would bury their treasure in, in the ground in a place that no one would find it. You know? and, and how many of you uh, along the beach, maybe you you've have a metal detector or you've seen people along the beach, you know, and, and all of a sudden you dig down, you're hoping to pull something out, you know. So this guy found a treasure. And uh, the treasure, uh, he found it, it was so great, and he hid it again, and from joy over it, this man goes and sells everything that he has, and he buys that field. Because he knew that once he bought it, whatever is hid there is his. And Jesus said, that's, that's what the kingdom of God is like. The great value. He went on to say that where our treasure is, is where our heart will be also. In Luke chapter 12, 21 and 34, the parable of the man who was selfishly bigging, building larger and larger barns, believing that he was self-sufficient. And the Lord said, it came to him and said, Thou fool tonight will your soul be required of you. Blessed is the individual whose heart is filled with the highways to Zion. Nothing will hold them back. Yesterday, Chris and I, uh, Chris is my wife, for those that don't know, we had the, the um, privilege to, of attending Pastor Rob Seagear's 60th birthday celebration. And it was... Uh, it was uh, in Bull Run, Virginia. 
And there's two ways to get there. One is through going around DC, and I looked at that way on maps, and it was nothing but red lines. How many know what red lines mean? Oh, I said, oh no, we'll never get there. So we took the back way, the scenic way. We went up through Frederick and uh, Route 70, then we jumped on Route uh, 15 south, and we crossed the, the bridge at Point of Rocks, the Potomac River, it's absolutely gorgeous. But then, as we got close to it, maps had a red line. Brenna said, oh, God, my goodness, you know. Um, as we come up upon the place, all of a sudden we saw the detour sign. The detour sign. And we followed the detour. And it wasn't, it wasn't a lot. In fact, I, I turned the wrong way. And I said, oh, babe, I turned the wrong way. The detour sign went two ways, uh, or it, <laughs> two ways, Route 7 one way, Route 15 the other, and it was down low, and I went the wrong way, and uh, it was like, what are we going to do now? I said, well, maps will show us the way, sure enough. I mean, we, it, we didn't lose a minute. It just, blessed are the one who's in whose heart are filled with the highways to Zion, in other words, they, we purpose, the individual whose strength is in the Lord, who purposes to meet with God. No matter what the situation is, they're looking for ways to meet with the Lord. When they go through the valley of tears, it, they make it a spring. The Lord wants us to know that as a follower of Jesus Christ, when our heart is filled with the highways to Zion, even in the valley of tears, our very presence can make it a spring for somebody else. We can go from strength to strength. That the Lord uses us as salt and light to change that situation. Wednesday night at prayer, uh, we had a just a, a a wonderful time, a powerful time of the Lord ministering. So I want to invite you to come out Wednesday night at 7 o'clock as we pray for this house, Grace, and we pray for your house of individual lives. But one of the women who, who at her workplace, and she calls, and she was uh, calling people and happened to be disabled, uh, disabled veteran, she had the opportunity, listen to this, to pray for that individual. And, and the Lord just moved in. She changed that valley of tear into a place of a spring for that individual. You make a difference with your life. When I was, uh, the first time I ever experienced this, I was 14 years old and I was a lowly freshman at a, at a high school that was crazed about football. That's about all we had in our town. Our town was 5,000, and uh, there were two churches of note in the town. One was the Roman Catholic Church that all my friends went to, and then our church was called the Jesus Saves Church. It was on Route 247 in town, and it was built close to the street, and it had a neon cross that hang out front said, Jesus Saves. And so... 
no one knew what church it was other than they all knew I went to the Jesus Saves Church. How many know that's not a bad church to go to? Yeah, yeah. So, and in a little town like that, we, our high school was a high school of about 300, and uh, we would graduate 80 to 100 in the senior class. It was what they called back then, I think, a class C school. But we were a football powerhouse. We had won 52 straight games, and several of the people that I graduated with and those just before me, full scholarships. How about Notre Dame, University of Arkansas, University of Arizona, my good friend that I graduated with, with full four-year starter at Penn State, the friend that I vacationed with, a full scholarship to Temple University. I mean, these are good ball players. Now, I didn't get a scholarship to college. I was actually, I was actually offered one to, uh, I think it was Lehigh University as an engineer, but that's because my college grades were good. I think they took one look at me and I never heard from them again, you know. But anyway, I was 14 years old. I was a lowly freshman. We had all these big brutes. They were good ball players. But man, they would abuse. If you were 14 years old and you're a freshman, you would be abused. That was in the day when hazing was popular. I don't remember that. They've outlawed most of it now. But they would kick you. They'd slap you. They might spit in your face. They'd push you from behind. They'd cuss you out, you know. And, and you said, oh, that's terrible. I, it was just the way it was, guys. And I, we didn't think it was terrible. It's just like... We'll go through this, and then one day we'll get our chance, you know. So, one of the men, one of the guys' name was Ernie, and he went on to he went on to the University of Arizona full scholarship, big guy. And uh, we were in the we we were getting towards the it was cold, and Friday night football there was uh, there was five thousand in town, but there were six thousand seats, and they'd fill all the seats up. I mean that that's the only thing that was going on in town. And um, we're playing West Side. They were an arch rival. And, and it was coming down and the score was tied. And it was actually, we were behind. It was getting late in the fourth quarter. We're all standing there with our big old ponchos, the, 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 um, the, you know, over the hood and like this. And no one knew who was who. And Ernie Weston was, had, had severely sprained his ankle. And I'll never forget that all of a sudden there was a roar that went up from the sidelines and he had gone over to Coach Hensis, who was an All-American, a linebacker, and uh, he went over to Coach Hensis and he said, let me in the game. And he ran down the sidelines and the stands roared and it was all we needed. And, and Blakely High went on to win the game that night. We defeated Westside. Well, Sunday nights, a rule that my parents had was when there was church, you go to church. The value that they had was there's nothing like the people of God and the presence of God. Okay. But Sunday nights we had church, but it was also film night for the Blakely High School. And every team and everyone had to go. And I didn't go because I went to church. And that, that was it. I didn't know. Then one day, this, this man, Ernie, gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And my dad was talking with him. And he just inquired, well, what, you know, what happened? You know what he said? Well, your son, Paul. Your son, Paul. I watched his life. I watched what we did with him. He never tried to get even. I was just too chicken to get even. <laughs> but our, our parents taught us, you know, turn the other cheek. But he said, I watched his life it was so consistent. He never cussed. He never told dirty jokes and stories. And on Sunday night, he always went to church. He said it really influenced and profoundly impacted me. And the man gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, when this world is pressing in, we might feel, oh, whatever, why, let's just give up, let's go along, or I'm not making a difference. When our strength is in the Lord, we make that dry place a spring. And I also want to encourage you this way. It says that the early rain will fall on them. You might be in a dry place right now. There are dry places in following the Lord, but I want you to know it's a dry place. It's not a desert place, and there's a difference. The rain is coming. Would you say with me, the rain is coming. The rain is coming. The rain is coming. In my heart is yearning for revival for our land and for America. We're getting moving far from God. I believe as we pray that the rain of God is coming when we need it the most. Your situation as your strength is in the Lord, the rain is coming on your life, praise God. You will once again be able to say, Oh, Lord of hosts, my Lord and my God, my salvation, my heart and my flesh sing for joy. I'd like the band to come if you'd come right now. Thank you. The third thing that the psalmist wrote is, Blessed are those who trust in you. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God, I would, or the familiar version, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man the woman, the teenager, the child who trusts in you. Praise God. I was, I was reading this morning in my daily devotions, Psalm 147, verses 10 and 11. And it said that God's delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. I want to encourage you to keep trusting in the steadfast love of the Lord. A doorkeeper in the house of God is a preferable place to be 
rather than the tents of wickedness outside of the presence and the people of the Lord. The psalmist said, the Lord is our sun and our shield. That means that he, he gives us life. He's, he's our life source. Without the sun, nothing grows on this earth. But he's also our shield. He's our protector. He knows exactly what we need. Often the thing that we want so badly and we cannot have it is actually his protection in our life. No good thing does he withhold from those who trust in the Lord. Here this morning, that when our heart is toward the Lord, there's no good thing that he will withhold from you. In fact, you know, Jesus said this, whoever leaves mother and father, houses and lands, in this life, I will more than make up to it, up it over a hundred times. We don't always, what we want is not really what we need, but the Lord knows what you have need of. He will bless you. The psalmist wrote this, that he gives grace and glory and honor. Grace, glory, and honor. The individual that, that we vacationed with, Danny Case, his dad was Harold Case. His mom was my Sunday school teacher when I was in college. Harold was a mechanic. A mechanic always came to church, always had, you know, mechanic hands. You know what? You know how many know what mechanic hands are? Cracked up, black in them, stuff in your fingernails. He bathed regularly. It wasn't that. I mean, just that's that stuff that nothing can get out. But Harold lived a life that blessed other people. He drove the church bus, and we went to the places, the out, out of the byways and highways, and he'd drive the bus. And his son Danny today drives the church van to pick up people who can't get there by himself. Harold was relatively unknown you would think of but when his funeral was announced he had blessed so many people it was in my home church and we attended they said there was over a thousand people that attended the funeral in the viewing line they must have thought it would be a small line they gave an hour for it the, the funeral was held up over two hours because there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that came to honor this man. He served on the board. He loved God and he loved people. He made the dry place a spring for so many people. His strength was in the Lord. Praise God. My, my closing blessing today, Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. I want to pray for you right now. Would you bow your head with me? How many this morning, you need a touch from God, a new touch from God. Would you raise your hand right now along with mine? Say, Lord, I need you to refresh me. Lord, I need revival in my life. God knows exactly what you need. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. Lord, we bless your name. We bless your name. We thank you for the promise, Lord, that, that when our hearts are filled with the highways to Zion, when, 
we love your house and your presence and your people. God, your blessings are there. I pray for those, Lord, that you, our strength is in the Lord. God, that you would come and you would visit. We thank you for the security and the confidence and the faith that we have in the Lord because of your word. Lord, we can trust in you. We thank you, Lord, that better is it to be a doorkeeper in your house than to dwell anyplace else and that you fill us with praise and power and glory and we claim this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord.